Hi, my name is Maddie, but I wish it was something cooler, like Mackie G or Jiggy Pepper. <laughs> Hi, my name is Al, and I like my name just the way it is. <laughs> Cute. And behold, manga. This month's manga is Tagami Bachi, which is translated as Letter B. It is by Hiroyuki Asada. It was published in Shonen Jump. And, um, yeah, it was. Translated by Viz through the Shonen Jump label as well. It was published in, I think, 2006. And it ran from 2006 to 2015 in Japan for 20 volumes. And it ran from 2009-2010 to 2017 in English for 20 volumes. It also has an an anime adaptation. Yeah. And the theme songs go hard, I must say. It's been so long since I listened to the theme song. I think I only ever watched... (laughs) I think I only (laughs) ever watched, like, the first three episodes of the anime when it, like, first aired. So, general content trigger warnings. Uh, Let's see. Um, Body horror. Yeah, body oh, yeah. horror. Um, human experimentation. Y- yeah, human experimentation. Hypersexualization. Including of Including many characters minors. who are minors. Yeah. Yay. Fat phobia. Oh, yeah. Suicide is mentioned at one point. Mm, yep, yeah, suicide. Ableism. Um, yeah. And if you have that phobia of pregnancy, there's this one weird pregnancy moment that I don't even have the pregnancy phobia, but it was it gave me the ick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what that would be. I don't know. It kind of feels like a blur. The okay. part where it, like there's the lights up in the sky and suddenly Legs mom is pregnant and giving birth to a baby. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that, that was weird. <laughs> trying to think anything else that you can think of. I just cannot stress enough that minors are sexualized in this. I'm laughing. It's an uncomfortable laugh. Yeah. There'll definitely be conversations around this. So if that's something that upsets you, maybe don't listen to this episode. And definitely don't read this manga. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the summary, I guess. Okay. So I don't have my timer. We're just going to go off by the recording timer. Actually, I wonder if I have a timer on my... Do you want to just distractingly count one Mississippi to Mississippi while I talk? (laughs) I think that's great audio. Okay, you ready for a quick summary spoiler free? How much time are you giving me? I don't know. How much time do you want? Do you want like 15 seconds, 30 seconds? 30 seconds. 30 seconds? Yeah, that sounds fair. Okay, just hold on. I'm going to try and match it. Ready? Go. So this is a world where there are three kind of rings of society and the main capital, Akatsuki, has a sunshine and the other rings of the world, Yusari and Yodaka, get like less and less sunlight and then there's people who live on the outskirts where they never see the sun and it's all dark and that is where we meet our boy Leg who is our protagonist and there are people called letter bees who deliver letters between the different like Three, factions two, and one. Done. <laughs> the letters yeah they deliver letters no that's it that's it actually i think i covered it yeah sure pretty much yeah. okay ready for the spoiler so uh-huh and go 
Okay, so legs taken on by this guy named Ghosh, and then Ghosh has his heart erased because they shoot heart into demon and um, demon bugs that are really big and dangerous. And um, so leg becomes a letter B, and then you get a dingo, which is like a person or an animal, and he has a girl named Niche, who's like a 200-year-old dragon, and then <laughs> not actually a dragon. I, I've been playing too much Fire Emblem. Did I mention my brain is scrambled? Help, I'm so nervous. <laughs> There's so much that happens. Two, they kill a big. One. Turns out the sun. Okay, it turns out the sun is a giant bug, a giant <laughs> evil bug, and then nobody lives in the capital. It's just people who are firing into the evil bug, and then I think they die at the end. But I'm not sure. It's very, it's very vague. <laughs> okay, we'll go more into detail with the story. I sound soon. like a three-year-old talking about a cool story. Like, and the sun is a bug. And they shoot the bug. <laughs> okay. Uh, red status. I read the first volume of this and watched like the first couple episodes of the anime over and over again. Like I would just like watch the beginning and then I'd kind of forget about it for a while and be like, I should rewatch that. And I'd watch the beginning. And I feel like it gave me kind of a, I don't know, a lot of the s- stories I wrote as a kid and everything were kind of inspired by just the atmosphere of it because it's really nice in the beginning you mm-hmm. get like an idea of all the things it could be and everything like the but i had no idea how so it nice. ended or continued yeah so i read this in middle school i think i'm the one that did i recommend this to you no did my you cousin did it? oh your cousin did. my cousin who has questionable taste in anime so <laughs> there you oh, go fair <laughs> i read this see that's so interesting because like i know i read this in grade seven and I did a uh, French project based on this. You what? <laughs> did you not? So do you no, remember? No, sorry. This is what the podcast is about now. Go on. <laughs> do you remember in French class in grade seven, we had this thing where we had to make like a video game and we had to write like the instructions in French and like had to draw like a like drawing of like how the video game would work. I have literally no memory of that. Yeah. So that was an assignment we did, and I did one that was based off of this, where you basically had a character who had to deliver letters from point A to point B, and it was like you would go through, and there would be like at certain points you would have like mini games. Yeah. Okay. It was based off of like, <laughs> like it was inspired by you this took manga. took the only part that, okay, because I kept thinking it would be so cool to have a video game where it's like you can shoot your gun. <laughs> See, the thing with like that, they use their hearts to shoot the gun, right? So the idea mm-hmm. is like you can shoot a certain amount of times, but then like you, your heart has to recover. And if you shoot it until the end, then you're, you have no heart anymore and you're like not yourself and like basically you die. Mm-hmm. But that would be so cool as a video game. Like right? you could conserve stuff and then let it slowly regenerate. And so that's the only part you didn't include, huh? <laughs> Great job. Are you proud of me? My only memory of grade seven French class is that <laughs> people were very mean to the teacher because we went to a hell school. And also um, I used to just call my grandma who was French Canadian and she would just like correct my homework. And so I got a good grade. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're talking towards about French now. <laughs> well, we don't want to talk about French class anymore. Okay. I thought that's what the podcast was about. Now I said that. But I read this too. I read this up until uh, the Blue Notes Blue arc, I think. That's pretty far. Well, that's like, what, volume 9, volume 10, kind yeah. of, about? So I read about halfway through, and then I did that thing, you know, where you pick up, like, start a series, get obsessed with it, and then you get, like, bored, and you, like, 
yeah. get super obsessed about a different series and then next thing you know you have like 50 unfinished series yeah but yeah. i usually do that on like chapter four instead of like chapter 50 so <laughs> good on you <laughs> thanks so i guess we can t- dive into this we want to kind of talk about the storyline a little bit just things we liked before we get into the like not so nice stuff um, yeah i really like the beginning because it has so much promise it is like it's a really interesting world because you really have this beautiful. world that is like it's different from our world in the sense that it doesn't revolve around the sun it has like this artificial sun that's fixed in the sky mm-hmm. and then you have like the caste system which is based on like the closeness to the artificial sun yes. and you have like this idealized place which is the capital which is like the closest to the sun is where all like the rich and powerful people are and then you have this kid who's like at the very opposite end who grows up and he like meets um, a letter b and it like changes his life and he wants to become this letter b which is basically like mailmen except they fight evil bugs big evil bugs these <laughs> bugs which are called gaichu are like heartless creatures that are attracted to hearts and they want to eat hearts so they attack people and they attack letters because letters are filled with people's hearts i wrote this i wrote down that in the beginning it felt like Mm -hmm. seasonal depression the manga because it's just (laughs) kind of like sad and dark and everybody's just like fighting to stay alive and have a heart Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is like you have these people who live in poverty and they're not always near people who are dear to them Mm-hmm. So and they can't travel because there's evil bugs everywhere yeah so they'll have friends or like family members that move to a different city and then they can't really keep that connection so they do it through these letters so they very much rely on like the letter bees to carry their letters to their loved ones and to communicate their thoughts and especially with like the beginning you get a whole bunch of short story parts mm-hmm. where leg is like delivering letters and like the yeah. stories of these people behind the letters you also find out kind of how people feel about letter bees and it's mm-hmm. they start out kind of in the darker areas and everybody really hates the government because the government's doing nothing for them and letter bees are like a symbol of the government mm-hmm. but also they're trying to do good it's and... interesting because i feel like in terms of the government you never really see like policemen or military forces outside no. of like it seems to be more so regulated through the letter bees so in exactly. a sense, i thought they were going to expand on it and then they just never did there is militia eventually but they only seem to be in the capital yeah you know they very rarely go out so it's more so the letter bees that seem to yeah. be a part of that and they're the symbol of the government they hate, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would make Which sense. is interesting because they also like rely on them at the same time mm-hmm. to like carry these letters, deliver those letters. There's times too when they're like fighting where the mail stopped basically and then people were like risking their lives to take letters to their loved ones. Yeah. I want to talk about Gosh's story because I feel like that was the most impactful part of the manga for me yeah i agree was his arc yeah so leg and gosh are like really tied together which was odd to me because they didn't know each other for very long but through the whole thing legs like i need to get gosh back because gosh is working really hard to get to the capital so he can support his sister because he doesn't have parents it's just him and his sister and then he loses his heart in the capital 
and we don't really know what happened and legs like trying to get him back and it's like actually so impactful when they meet up again and his name is noir now and he's in working with the bad guys (laughs) named reverse and i thought it was really good and then it just made me feel like gauche would be a more interesting pov character than leg (laughs) in a lot of ways it's really interesting because it feels like leg and gauche are kind of both the main characters yeah. You know, because there's just so much importance based on Gosh. And, like, you would, as a reader, especially with, like, the first couple of chapters, really hear a lot about Gosh's story. That's true. So you feel yeah. connected to him, right? And he His is- story's also the most interesting, I think. Like, mm-hmm. there's the part where, like, on the day of the sun flickering, he lost his memories of his mother. And then he's just, like, holding his newborn baby sister while his mother's body is there and it's not affecting him. That was messed up. And it was really... Right? cool <laughs> i don't know i thought it was really good storytelling there is a lot of like really interesting story parts that i kind of wish um the manga i got more into because okay so one of like the major storylines of you learn about the history is that at one point on the day leg was born the sun flickered and mm-hmm. when the sun flickered people who were like looking at the sun some of them like lost pieces of their hearts or even their physical their memories, bodies. Or like literally, Some yeah. of them lost eyes. And, and then there yeah. was like this airship. It crashed during the flicker. And people were like, oh, it's it was just like an accident. But then there's like this whole government conspiracy. And yeah. I think, who is it Aria? When she takes over the dead letters section, delivers this letter to this like guy who lives in this faraway small town and like near the darkness who's known as, like, the madman of the town. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, one of the survivors of the airship. And he tells his story about how, like, when the sun flickered, he was on the airship and he looked at the sun and he saw this creature inside the sun. Yeah. That was and a crazy that, moment, too. God, right? Like, that was the very first yeah. thing where you realize the artificial sun is not an, just this, like, machine. It's, like, a living creature. And there's a two-page spread there. of, like, an eye in the sun. It, yeah. Right? It's very... This idea that, there like, are some the moments sun that, that you rely sure. on is, like, this monstrous creature. Uh-huh. The idea of that is just really good. Yeah. There are and, some like, pretty... With cool. the airship, like, scene two flashback, you meet these three boys who were also on the airship who were, like, letter bees who were going to the capital. They were brothers, And they're think, the, right? um, they're triplets. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the gatekeepers now. Mm-hmm. But Except like, one of them is just, like, the old lady from Spongebob who wants chocolate. <laughs> that, that's what he looks like. And he lives in a tank. Yeah. But I feel like their story kind of gets cut out, which is a shame because I think their story was also interesting. Well, that's the because, thing is so many stories just go right? nowhere. Right? Which is a like, shame because there's so many good ideas. Another thing, too, is that in that flashback with the airship with the triplets, they also have a little sister who is a letter B. And I kind of think that the little sister is um, Rhoda. Oh, yeah. Could like, be. Like, if you think. We don't like, really the, know where she comes from. Right? Like, the body. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that would have been the little sister. Well, yeah. Because. I know when she popped up, I was like, she looks familiar. Like, she looks like a character we've met. And then I was like, I think Rhoda is the closest I could think of to... Yeah. It's either that or the artist is just suffering same face syndrome. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he suffers some stuff for sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, 
Yeah. I want to talk about like the importance of memories if we're talking about the day of the flicker. Mm-hmm. Especially with Gosh again, like how he lost his memories of his mother and then later on he loses all his memories of himself. Mm-hmm. It's and like to the- me it oh Mm -hmm. go on i was gonna say it's like the idea that like the self is defined by one's memories yeah which is really interesting and that letters are kind of memories and heart and it's cool because both lag and niche start out as letters which is cool Mm -hmm. like they're just pieces of other people's memories and and like the idea that like when he shoots a shinden it reveals like the heart of the letters which is like their memories and their thoughts and then later on, you find out Leg is literally made of people's hearts. Like, he's not actually a person. He's just an amalgam. Mm-hmm. An amalgamation of the world itself. Cool. Yeah, and that's why he's a crybaby, which I love the crybaby representation. You don't get that a I lot in did. protagonists. I really yeah. liked how, like, the main, like, male protagonist of the series was the soft-hearted crybaby who, like, empathized with everybody in the world. Yeah. He's a Shane Dawson empath. <laughs> and that's why he feels other people's pain. Oh, my God. But you were about to say about memories. Yeah, I feel like Gauche's whole deal at one point can be read as like a mental health metaphor, which was yeah. very powerful also. Like there's I just there's a part where he doesn't have any of his memories anymore. He's lost his whole heart and then they do a thing in the hospital to give him his heart back and it doesn't work, but he still acts like it did around his family because he kind of wants to reassure them. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, still not really being himself, but he's doing his best, and then Leg sees through him, and he's, like, he has yeah. to kind of slowly heal his old self and can never really be his old self, but is trying to build something new with the people who love him, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's another very beautiful moment. There are lots of really good gauche moments. Right? He's such a really interesting and good character. Yeah. And I feel like we really get, like, a good arc from him up until the end i would yeah. say like i feel like it's a part where his character arc kind of peters out and he kind of becomes like a plot relevant character yeah, like that's device true. rather than like an actual character yeah he starts out you're right that he that's why i was kind of hesitating when you were like he feels like a second main character because i was thinking in terms of i just read the end where he's barely mm-hmm. there yeah right? no that's true there's Aww. like so, which kind of gets into the pacing of the story. Yeah. What did you think of the pacing? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> there are parts. I was reading this, and, like, near the end, I got to the part where I'm like, I can't tell if the pacing is just bad or if it's because I've been reading this on and off due to, like, other life stuff going oh, on. Oh, yeah. But, because it's kind of, well, like... Also, it's like it didn't... Like, The Promised Neverland, I was constantly like, next volume, next volume. But this mm-hmm. one didn't grab me as much, because it didn't feel like there was even a consistent storyline going on in parts. It's mm-hmm. like the characters all got these little chunks of plot, but there was nothing that was, like followed all the way through like I feel like there are so many things that would have been cooler if they'd like established them earlier on and then let them pay off Mm -hmm. but instead it's just a bunch of little like weird silos of people like you have like like, doing things and then it's over and then like it kind of fades away and you kind of forget about it and then it comes back and it doesn't come back in the way you think it would Mm -hmm. and not in like a good payoff kind of way unfortunately yeah like You'll have it where there'll be, like, this big reveal, and then, like, the next volume will be, like, a short story of, like, doing a delivery. And, like, sometimes the short story is nice. Sometimes it's okay. And then you kind of forget about, like, the big relevant plot device. Yeah. There's this one where, uh, what's his name? The director, uh, Lloyd, Largo is it? Lloyd. Largo Lloyd. He's, like, taken over the reverse. So good in this. 
And then he, like, goes to the maka, and he's like, this will be the start of it all. And then you just totally forget about it. Uh-huh. And then later on, they come back to the maka, and it's, like, dead. And his yeah. sister is, like, hibernating inside, and it's, like, this weird thing is going on, but you don't really know what it is. And then it fades away, and you kind of focus back into, like, the whole capital, like, fight against the capital. And then near the big fight when they're going into the capital... Nisha's sister just appears as a giant boat carrying letters, and I guess that was the big thing. It's not just a boat. It's a bird, but the don't worry, the bird still has boobs. We would never draw a female <laughs> character without big boobs. But it was, like, you know what I mean, though? Yeah, it's like, no, you think that it's going to be, like, this big, like, relevant thing with the maka, and then the yeah. maka's dead, so you think, Absolutely. like, like I totally forgot the maka died sister. until you said that. I was just like, oh, her sister's a boat now, I guess. <laughs> And it's like, oh, the mock is dead. And then I think Gosh at one point, or Nor, I guess. He's Nor at that point. Says yeah. how, like, Nisha's sister is dying. And then, like, later she appears as a giant boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Largo Lloyd, especially, I think is a good example of, like... You have these secondary characters that you treat like side characters. Where they have, like, a random story arc. And then they're barely mentioned ever again. And then it makes me not care about them at all because they don't have any growth in the story Mm -hmm. they're just like kind of there and then suddenly it's like oh and by the way here's my tragic backstory and then they're like never really shown again so like Largo Lloyd was doing all this cool stuff all the way through and I was just like I don't care I don't care his character design is great Mm -hmm. and I'm like I should be feeling something right now and I'm just not right because it was like there was kind of like a build-up where you think oh he's gonna do like a roy mustang where he like seems that's like he's incompetent exactly but he's it. like and then no, that's he what happened it. is when i was a kid i thought largo lloyd and um aria were like roy and Riza, and i was like oh that's cool we love like the dude in uniform and then like his the loyal like second in command oh my right? god no we'll talk about aria later and how god. i wanted her to be my favorite character and then hated everything she stood for <laughs> Oh, but it's so pacing. bad the pacing of this was kind of in and out but i feel like in general it had like a consistent storyline to a sense and i think around like chapter not chapter um volume like sixteen, seventeen, it kind of felt as if the author just wanted to finish the damn story mm-hmm. and kind of threw everything all at once and it was like a jumbled mess and like I kind of got the ending of the story and, like, how the characters got from, like, point A to B to C. But there were definitely parts where it felt like, how can this continue? And then a whole bunch of stuff would happen and then it would stretch out. And then I got to, like, the second last chapter, right? And I was like, how are they going to end this? There's, like, one Uh chapter. There's no way you can end this in, like, one chapter. And then I read, like, the last chapter. don't do a good job of it. And I was like, okay, well, it finishes the story, but I don't feel satisfied. No. You need some sort of wrap-up. The last chapter was, like, three-quarters of it was still last battle. That's not... Right? Like, it was last that. battle, and then you got, like, two or three pages of a wrap-up. And it was like, okay, I guess. But I would have liked more. Yeah. Like, for I would have liked a chapter. Nish gets stabbed for, like, two panels, and then she's instantly okay. Or do they die? I'm not sure. I'm pretty Can sure. Can we talk about okay. the ending? Can you explain it to me? Basically, the... So, the sun is a giant guy, too. The capital has been trying to keep it asleep. So, it's been feeding it a hearts of people. Yeah. In order to sacrifices from, who make yeah. it to Akatsuki. Yeah. To wake up. So, the whole, like, big fight 
is essentially the fact that the Empress, which is what keeps the machine that, like, fires at the Gaichu to keep it asleep, is dying. And there's no air. So, basically, it's the end of the world. And there's mm-hmm. these two sides that are, like, arguing on, like, how to save the world. And yeah. you which have... Which I didn't understand that either. Yeah. So, you have Reverse, which is, like, we're going to sacrifice a whole bunch of people and shoot, like, a final bullet that will... Shindan that will kill the Gaichu. And then, like, was, like... No, we're going to use the hearts of people and amplify it. The hearts of, like, letters. Yeah. To, and then amplify but that then power. Reverse kept talking about, like, it's the end of the world. We're going to kill everyone. I'm like, well, if you're going to kill everyone, why not just let the thing eat them? I don't... But I guess they weren't <laughs> killing everyone. They were just killing most people. I don't they were know. Just, they were just sacrificing people. They weren't killing everybody. Sure. Okay. See, that's the thing, is that... Okay. I feel like we have to go back a bit. So... <laughs> Like, is basically he finds this like letter i think it's through ghost he finds a letter from his mom that tells him to go see his aunt to find like the truth about who he is so he returns back to where he grew up with his aunt and meets her there's a whole story stuff going on there and basically in the letter his mom tells him that he is actually like made of the hearts of people and that if he wants to save the world he has to find five children who were born on the day of the flicker and then their memories will lead him to clues about how to save the world without sacrificing a whole bunch of people. That plot is picked up and dropped so fast. It is. Like, it you'll means meet, nothing. Right? Like, you'll meet a character. They'll find a character who has who was born on the day of the flicker and they'll get a memory. And then you're kind of sitting there like... two of them. So, okay, and they were so like, they found? who's the fifth? Who's the fifth? And I was like, well, okay, yeah, legs, Sylvette. And then these two they found. Yeah, who's the fifth? And at the end, it's like, Sylvette was the fifth. I'm like, we literally knew that since, like, volume two. <laughs> what are you talking about? I think another, no, the fifth was, like, this random person that's never named. But it was, like, one of the people who was, like, in the honeycomb sacrifice for the machine. Oh. But it, well, that like, was missed. you never find it's them. Like, They're just, leg, like. It's, like, Sylvette, this girl who controls the scorpion that killed Zazie's parents which by the way i did love Zazie's backstory i thought that was well done and <laughs> then there's just like a giant animal who lives in the woods <laughs> that was such a great story <laughs> so <laughs> random i loved it because uh. they're like oh you gotta go find him and then like it goes to nowhere and then there's a point where leg is on like a training thing where he's just like in a giant slumber talking to the spirit bug that's in his eye (laughs) i feel like we really we cannot describe the plot of this the way we've been describing it sounds unhinged but it's like this is the way the story is presented to you you're just like oh yeah yeah there's a bug in his eye oh yeah and the bug is talking to him and there's a time skip and like we love a time skip but nothing happens in this time skip except leg stops crying and grows his hair longer nobody else changes except i guess zazie gets a little stronger civet loses her heart to a flicker yeah but that's just because they love fridging women that's the only reason that happened (laughs) yeah we'll get into that later (laughs) it's just like what it's like the author just threw in a time skip because he's like how do i make my shonen more cool oh yeah time skip (laughs) so long story short like a niche become the sun (laughs) (laughs) on today's episode of a kindergartner tells you about their dream for 45 minutes (laughs) 
Oh, oh, and that's why at the end they're like, we our de- letter bees, we deliver heart is because they're the sun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get that's it. the ending. So they're the sun. Okay. No further questions. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> oh my god. I lied about there being no further questions, Al. <laughs> Did you see that the next section on our um, talking points is titled Maddie interrogates Al about reading comprehension? I do. So you are the person in the world that I know who has the strongest reading comprehension. <laughs> like you can just like read something and get the meaning of it and retain that for 20 years of your life and lock it up in the vault. So I have some questions about the plot of this and I don't know if it's just that they were never explained or if it's that I don't have reading comprehension. And so if you don't understand them, then we know that it's just the plot. Okay, ready? <laughs> okay, go for it. Why does the government think that making furries is the best way to create heart or whatever? <laughs> you know what? I don't even know. <laughs> so it's like- the government fuses people with animals and makes furries and then they're like, this is how we'll do the experiment to make more heart. I think they're trying to create people whose hearts can't be drained by the gaiju because they're known as, like, the people who couldn't become spirit. Yeah. I think the sense of that is that to be without spirit is to not have a heart. So they're people Are they who, just like, furries because the <laughs> author loves writing, drawing girls who satisfy every fetish? Honestly, I think it's closer to that. <laughs> Probably it's that. Um, my favorite part of this is that it's, I don't know, something with Largo Lloyd's dumb backstory where he's like, he's like, my mom was the first one and she was a plant and then they put her organs in me. And then at the very end, his dad's like, no, my organs are in you. And I'm like, dude, how are you alive if all of your organs are in you? You forgot the part where they're like talking in front of his mom, which is a tree. Yeah. But it's like, you know that meme on that, that story that's like, the girlfriend went to get surgery and then she has her heart. And then it's like, where's my BF? Who do you think gave you the heart? And it's like, <laughs> but it's, I laughed so hard at that part. I'm like, dude, what? You have no organs? How are you alive? <laughs> anyway, that's that on the people who can't become spirit. Um, You already answered who the five children were. Um. Mm-hmm. What was the point of gathering them? Did we ever find that out? So the purpose was to reveal a memory which would hold the secret of, like, how to save the world, which I said. Um, Did that happen? Kinda, kinda not. It was, I think it's one of those situations where you're looking for the answer and you kind of find the answer along the way before you actually arrive. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, you have to find these clues and then as you're finding the clues, you kind of already figure out the answer before you've gathered all the clues. Yeah. Okay. So Sure. So there was no point to that, is what you're saying. We just wanted to have a fun side story with a big animal that lives in the forest. Pretty much. Which I, I love that for the author, honestly. I would also love to write a story about a big animal that lives in the forest. I love this um, you story. Answered... No, what? What? I was going to say, I love this story because it honestly feels like the author has a whole bunch of like ideas and plot threads that go nowhere, yeah. but somehow form a somewhat cohesive story. Like, there's totally disconnected there, but there's a lot of, like, disconnected parts that, like, make no sense, but, like, there's still a story. You you still arrive to a conclusion. Hmm? Do you have a favorite? My favorite is the one with the lighthouse, because that one was really cool, and then the one where the maid is um, in lesbian love with another girl, and then it's... (laughs) That was a good one, too. (laughs) But it's never called that, because, of of course, we hate women. The one that, like, really got to me was the story about the mom... Who was, like, a maid at a house, and she, oh like, my God, left. Yeah. And 
basically the mom was a single mom working in um as a maid for this house and she couldn't spend a lot of time with her child and she always like was regretful about that and then she had like had to leave for a trip and she had like written this letter to her daughter and while she was away on a business trip her daughter was like hit by a carriage and passed away Mm-hmm. And because of the whole like reverse battle thing that was going on, the letter was never delivered to the daughter before she passed away. So Until like the mom is so angry. The mom is so upset and has quit her job and is like drinking. And um like is like I'm going to deliver this letter to your dead child and he like shoots and reveals like the memory of um the daughter whose like favorite spot was on top of this like tree hill thing. And basically, he, like, has the mom climb up to the spot, and there's, like, this telescope, and if you sit and look into the telescope, you can see the mansion where the mom worked. So the daughter would, like, go up there and watch. That scene, too, where you see, like, the memory of the daughter, like, sitting there, and she's, like, lying, going, oh, how much I want to be, like, my mom. And then, like, the mom, like, kisses the forehead of the daughter's memory. Yeah. God, that, like, that story and, like, that part was, was like, this is why I like this series. Yeah. Yes. Agree. No, that one was one of my favorites, too. (laughs) You talked about how they became the sun. You talked about... (laughs) You talked about... um, Yeah, no. I think you've kind of covered it all. I get the ending now. Um, (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Should we dive into our themes yeah let's let's dive into our themes okay oh wait first i wanted to ask you how you felt about lag and sylvette's um getting together my my feelings are i felt nothing he is 13 so i felt nothing even more and she is 13 but has massive boobs and i felt rage that's my that's my summary (laughs) how many years passed i thought it was more than that it was just one was it really just one year yeah it was one year felt like it was like three years hmm Oh, no, wait. Yeah, I guess it was because it was like 300 and something days. Yeah. So maybe that's why I'm thinking three. I don't know. Shonen romance. (laughs) They just really... It's like the people who write shonen. Well, no, I won't say that for all shonen, of course, but it's like they've just never had a human relationship in their lives. (laughs) I mean, I didn't hate it. I was like, you know what? Like, of all the romance to romance, that one did kind of make sense. I guess. I like that they're both crybabies. It wasn't like there was nothing there, but it wasn't like a huge focus. So at the I end of it, I was like... that wasn't developed enough for me to care. I guess. I don't know. Maybe I got more of her character than you in maybe reading we'll it. We'll talk about we'll her. We'll talk about sure. her. Okay. We want to talk anyway. about kind of how the government works and religious symbolism in that. Yeah. I didn't I don't know very much about religion and I didn't go to school for like literature stuff. So I am going to leave this to you cuz I don't think I caught a lot of what you're about to talk about. <laughs> okay. I feel like this is going to be a bit jumbled, but like stay with me. <laughs> I'm staying with you. So basically you have this world where you have like the caste systems where the closest to the sun are like the rich people, right? And then like the lower and the whole idea with, like, leg and the letter bees is that they want to become the head bee so that they can go into the capital because the capital is, like, where the empress is. It's kind of, like, the goal of where you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. And as I was reading, I was kind of like, capital is kind of like 
heaven or like the promised place where like when you're in i think it's christianity but religions in general there's this idea that in order to get into like heaven or like um this like promised place you have to have a good heart and to have like certain skill sets that's very true yeah i can see that if you think of like greek mythology there's this area in the underworld which i can't remember the name of but it's like this golden land where all of like the heroes go and you get there by being heroic and like just to be a good person and dying for a heroic cause. Hmm. We see this mainly in Gerard and Hazel, which is where we first see like what the capital is like. Yeah. So Gerard and Hazel are letter B as a letter B and his dingo who were candidates to be head bees and they were sent off to the capital. So they board a train and they enter into, I think it's called Keguro, which is the land between kind of the capital gates and the capital itself. Yes. And Keguro is filled with people who have entered the gates but are unable to get into the capital. So if we think of... purgatory. Yeah. Oh, And it's interesting because when you see that they're on the train... And if you remember from Neberi Noah when we talked about um, Midnight on the Galaxy. Yeah. About how like a train symbol is like a way of um, traveling to the land of dead. Yeah. And then as they're going through, <laughs> yeah. you know, you hear like. So the thing with um, Kagro yeah, being Yeah, because they so don't travel by train any other time. Mm-hmm, right? Well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they, d- they don't because they go through like carriage and stuff. Oh, oh no, I think there are trains, but like it's not as huge of a focus. No. And another thing is, like, because Kagura is so close to the sun, it, like, has absorbed hearts. So you can hear, like, people's thoughts and, like, their heart. So it yeah. is, like, this purgatory place. And then you enter the capital. And when you go into the capital before you really enter it, you have to go through the gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper tests how pure your heart is. And if you can't pass oh, that test, Saint then you're rejected Peter. into Kagura. Oh, you're so right. Except then it's not even the promised land. It's like they get a thing on their head and get shot into the sun. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, the sun itself is, um, so you know, in ruling classes, they say like the kings and like the monarchy is like chosen by God. Oh, yeah. And one of the greetings, especially to like emperor and empresses, is that they are referred to as the sun. of the government so you have this idea of the sun kind of being god and then you have the empress which is the closest to god and then the empress lives in the capital is like jesus yes (laughs) (laughs) oh no that was almost kind of a joke but then it turns out like jesus (laughs) because if you think about it you have anne who becomes the empress and she becomes pregnant Via the sun, which via is... Via the sun! Oh my god, just randomly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then okay. light brings light to people. Oh my god! Is this... This is how it felt when I revealed to you that The Promised Neverland was about Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to think back to the very first page in every single volume. Is all things the heart must take precedence? The heart rules over all things, and all things come from the heart. Which is, like, a religious mantra that is repeated. And then you have, like, this image of this woman which represents the empress. And then there's, like, a small child below her. Okay. 
And then um, it's done in the style that you would see in, like, churches and stuff. Okay, well, this makes so much more sense than the reading I was doing, <laughs> which is that it was about meritocracy. <laughs> but I think meritocracy falls into that, because you want to explain uh, what meritocracy is, and then I'll yeah. tell you how it ties in. Yeah, so it's kind of the ideal that if you work really, really hard, then you can get wherever you need to be in life. It's that idea of, like, you know, Jeff Bezos started in his family's garage, like that kind of idea where it's mm-hmm. like, if you work really hard, you can make money, you can be successful, which is just not how the world works. So I thought that's where the story was heading, was, like, everybody on the outside, they're also working very hard and, like, living their lives, and they mm-hmm. deserve to have connections to other people and to be able to live happily, but their lives suck and we're like humanizing them and eventually it'll be like everybody in Akatsuki is is like bad people who don't care about the lower classes which is like what the promised neverland did if we're going back to our last (laughs) review and it's and I was like well at least the promised neverland had the gall to like say it and in this one it's just they're in some weird thing and there was no promise all along and it's firing a bug into the sun but that makes sense if the promise is actually heaven and then <laughs> it makes the so much more sense. Yeah. So the way I was saying uh, meritocracy falls into that is it ties into again that religious idea of like in order to get to the promised place you have to commit good deeds and be pure of heart. Yeah. So they're like they're in this world that is kind of like promising them this like perfect place, but that perfect place doesn't actually exist because yeah. it is fake. It is artificial. The sun itself is not actually a sun it is in fact a monstrous yeah. creature that will bring apart the end of the world oh man so it's an anti-religion message well okay but then the thing with that i don't too think it is would like, be anti-religious with... because no, again no. leg is jesus it's jesus leg is jesus so it's no, more I, of like, like the thing with the meritocracy mm-hmm. it, it falls apart when you get to the capital because ideally then the cap like it's not completely a lie right like the meritocracy is a lie but it's not a lie that there are people who are successful and don't and the people below them can't get there and like all that but then if it had been about that they would have got to the capital and there would have been a bunch of rich people in there living with like no regard for the other people below them it is kind of interesting how we find out when we get to the capital the capital is actually this facility which is filled with militia and scientists who are And that the empress is not actually a ruling class, but is a tool and a machine that feeds into the sun. Mm-hmm. Which I think again ties more into like the religious symbolism than it does against like specific um, like cry against the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it all makes sense now. <laughs> I like the story better now, actually. <laughs> now that it makes sense. Because the whole time I was like, what is the author going for? But now I get what the author was going for. I'm glad. Yeah. Do we want to get into the more uh, Ah! messy things now? (laughs) (laughs) This is the longest note-taking section I had. Oh, Um, my God. I don't want to talk about every time that female objectification, misogyny, whatever happens in this, because then we'd be here all day. But I just want to say that when I was a kid, I would have been fine with this because, you know, that's what anime is like. But now, as an adult, I'm so tired of shonen BS. And 
it's hard for me to read as a woman who's mm-hmm. trying to relate to the characters and I just cannot relate to a two-dimensional woman who's just there to serve the men and then I can't relate to the men because they're trampling on all the women and then it really takes me out of the story it's it's so interesting because like I remember when I was reading it in middle school I was like oh wow there's like these female characters who are relevant to the story and there's issues with it but it has the potential to be better compared to the other shonen that I was reading where there were female characters but they very much felt like background yeah so like you do have these female characters who are relevant but it felt like as I was reading those relevant female characters faded to the background oh my god yeah and they just started to be more and more like, oh, this person's shirt got ripped off. That's funny. There's a super uncomfortable gag where Niche is always naked and then puts on her underwear for right. leg. And it's like flashing people. There's like... And she's like... De- <sighs> she's 200 years old, but she is depicted as a six-year-old. That's why I said she was a 200-year-old dragon. <laughs> like a the Fire Emblem thing. <laughs> like she the- behaves and acts like a six-year-old. Uh-huh. And she the, looks the like fire a emblem trope of like she's a little child but she's actually a 200 year old dragon so it's okay to want to <laughs> have sex with her and it's oh, like no God. no actually absolutely not i think the worst part was when it got to the part where niche started talking about how she was gonna have legs babies oh my god and i was like there was a part at the beginning where i was like these like female characters have the potential to have like their own stories outside of their relationship with men and then it never happened and then anything that was their story outside of their relationship to men kind of faded away and it became about their relationship with men did you notice that yeah yeah absolutely this i don't think this passes the bechdel test at any point which sucks because it's like 99 chapters long oh my god (sighs) if you were to look through okay so i read mm -hmm. it on the shonen jump app and i was taking screenshots of like things i maybe wanted to like include in the podcast if you were to look through my photo album on my phone you would have thought i was like a horny 12 year old boy because it was just all the pictures of like naked women women being objectified women who are introduced ass first women who are like falling over in compromising positions women where it's like highlighted they're naked but they don't have nipples so it's still for children like i was just like so mad about it the whole time and they never do that to the men there's so many times where they're like in a like white space and it's so beautiful and when it's women they're always naked and you see like their butt and they're like contorted and when it's leg he's in a t-shirt and shorts except for at the very end but then he's not sexualized it's like a power thing and it's and like there's things too where like sometimes the female characters they'll have like clothes but their clothes are drawn in a way in which they don't have clothes like it's the marvel oh there's camel toes for sure right yeah right like it, it's it's bad that was with with aria where i wanted to like yeah. her so bad because i was like oh cool like she like, has badass, a stupid jacket thing that's like cut off right above her, her outfit like, drives me crazy it's like cut off right at her nipples why and then later on she it becomes a bee again sense. and it's co- like a cool it could be like a cool return to form but instead it's like oh her outfit's too small because she's so grown so i know right? you can see all of her nipples and also she's clumsy so you're gonna see her falling over and you get to see her butt 700 times and it's like no i just want to see her doing something cool like can we not have this and she had potential too and it just so much yeah and like i think chico though chico had it the worst especially because there's like this one panel where it's drawn and like the only thing you can see of her is her butt and then then you have like this bubble that like covers her face 
Well, yeah, and Chico's supposed to be, like, our anti-hero. Like, she's the mm-hmm. one who is opposite leg at the very end. And she's never treated like a character. She's treated like, well, what she is, which is a bunny girl there for that fetish, which is, like, and, like it's so gross. She's kind of there. So Chico is this girl who is, was raised in the capital. She was, like, friends with the scientist. Um, they basically are given orders to kill her. They don't want to do so. I think one scientist... um. Uh, kills yeah, himself she, in protest yeah the others she like sympathizes with the scientists mm-hmm. who are experimenting on her and then it's never examined so then they like free her because they want her to like escape and then bring down the government basically and she's like their hope so she's very much supposed to be like a foil to leg yeah and then there's like kind of potential there and I do kind of like how... Well, yeah, and then her personality is very opposite leg, too. Like, mm-hmm, right? She's like, very she's stern very and stoic and getting things done. But the whole time, you're just cringing because it's showing you her body instead of talking about right? like, anything I think to do with her. In terms of her character arc, I think her character arc, in comparison to the other female characters, is more developed. Because you do kind of see her story and like her reasoning behind her actions... And kind of her struggling with what she believes in and type of things. But there are also times, too, where it's just a lot of the time she's drawn is constantly being in a compromising situation or, like, super hypersexualized. Or sometimes she'll have it where she's, like, flustered by leg and I'm like, I really do not care about, like, whatever. Like, I don't want her character arc to become, like, her relationship with men. Mm -hmm. I want it to be, like her own character and challenges no if it was written by a better author that's how it would be but no she never had a chance no and it's such a shame because there's so much potential with these characters and it doesn't go anywhere and like the same is kind of true with the male characters yeah but i think the female characters suffer the most with it well and then there's the parallel like where the male characters suffer because the author doesn't know how to do anything except write bad female characters like Sunny. If we're moving on to, like, how the women are being fridged. No, literally all three of the main male characters. Like, Connor mm-hmm. has Sunny, who dies to advance his thing. Leg has Lily, who dies to advance his thing. And Zazie yep. has Emil, who dies to exa- advance his thing. And yeah. that's, like, their main story, like, character development moments are all because there's a girl who takes care of them, and they love her. And then she dies, and it's and then so sad. And the Empress, who dies. Yeah. Her story is, like, kind of more relevant to, like, the whole religious thematic stuff going on, but it's still also a woman who dies to further Mm -hmm. a man's story. And it hurts, it hurts the the boy's development, too. Like, I would have way rather seen them grow from getting along with each other than getting along with a random girl who we never examine again and never really had a character. And like. times it's just interesting because you have again like these female characters who have the potential to have their own arcs and then it fizzles out and then it just focuses on their relationship with men versus you know zazie who has an entire volume dedicated to his own character arc Mm -hmm. yeah at the very end which is also really random pacing because his like character backstory is introduced and then it's kind of forgotten until volume 16 yeah but at least he gets like that's another case where i'm like you should have laid these breadcrumbs earlier because it's like cool but yeah there's so many random things introduced in there that it's like it just doesn't go anywhere yeah 
which is what the whole story kind of suffers for. But again, female characters suffer the most mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. I don't think I have much more to say about the women. It's just, it sucks. Do we <laughs> want to talk about Sylvette? Which yeah. kind of ties into female characters and also uh, treatment of disabled characters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh so, Sylvette is the little sister of Gosh. Uh, she was born on the day of the flicker and as a result was born without the ability to use her legs. I do apologize if I'm using like the wrong terminology. Um, I think I'm going off of like what I remember from conversations of people who do reuse wheelchairs, but I do apologize if I use the wrong terminology. So and let us know. Yeah, do let us know. I'm trying. <laughs> um so yeah, so Sylvette was born without the use of her legs and she's grown up using a wheelchair to get around. Gosh's motivation to get into the capital is to essentially get the money to bring her to the capital and get the funding to get treatment for her legs so that she can walk, um, mm. which is an issue. Mm. But it's interesting because Sylvette is never really shown to really care. Yeah. I, like, she says at one point, I don't really want that treatment. I'd rather, like, live with you and just have a happy life. She just life. wants her brother, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's shown as being very capable. When Gosh disappears, she starts, like, a doll-making business, and that's how she makes her money to, like, live. I love that our and first introduction cooks. to her on mm-hmm. screen is, like, she's threatening Leg with a gun because she thinks he's a tax collector. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fun. like she's such a fun character and she's like totally able to manage on her own in the sense like you don't think that disappears as time goes on not really because there's a part two when like gosh comes back and he like notices dust on top of the highest places and she's like yeah i can't really reach those places and it's just like the reality of it so i think again i'm not somebody who can like actually say if this is good enough representation but at least in the main storylines, beyond just Gosh wanting to get treatment for her legs, it's she's never treated in a bad way. Does it that make sense? It feels to me like it's less about her disability and more about being a woman. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, she'll like go out to make a delivery and Leg will be like, you can't, it's too dangerous. And she's like, I lived on my own before you came here. And he's like, no, you're a girl. Because there's, like, this one, like, story she gets where she gets, like, a letter who is uh, from this girl who's, like, a fan of her dolls and wants to have a doll that she can give to her dad because he's going to work in the mines and will be away from her. And Sylvette is like, I have to make this doll as soon as I can and get it to this girl as soon as possible. And she, like, goes to deliver it by herself to this town and, like, like, takes along because, you know, there's, like, giant monstrous bugs. And they end up getting robbed, and it's Sylvette who, like, chases down the robber and takes him down, because she can, like, maneuver very easily on unstable terrain. It just feels to me like the whole arc of her character is moving away from that and towards, like, you need to stay at home for the men. Like, Arya actually says that at one point, like... Mm, Leg is going out to look for Niche, and she's like, I want to help him look for Niche. And Arya's like, no, you need to stay home for him, because you're the only one who can do that. And she's like, yeah. "Yeah." 
Like, and then at, to the point where at the very end she gets her heart taken away and Arya's like taking care of her and kissing her on the head like it's okay legs got this <laughs> like, yeah why that that part made me angry that part gave me like, killing intent it, it's like a mess of things because on the one hand you have like this character who is very capable of like surviving on her own but at the same time she is very much treated as a liability yeah you know yeah i was kind of sitting there like "Mm, this isn't the best but it's not the worst and then it ended in the worst way possible and then it ended in the worst (laughs) way possible i was like you know what this isn't great but it's not bad either but like as long as it doesn't right i was like as long as it doesn't end the way i think it's gonna end it'll be okay and then at the very end she gets magically healed and can now use her legs yeah which is a very ableist trope uh-huh and i was like and it's oh, because her bf so becomes the sun <laughs> i can't get over that i think it's worse than the fact that she regains her heart and somehow she regains by regaining her heart and regaining the pieces that were stolen from her on the day of her birth she gets the ability it's it's oh, magical so healing true. it's bad that's yucky oh god all this dancing yeah. around the point so is bad. is that there is potential that potential was lost at the end. It was uh-huh. gone. It was Agreed. Thro- thrown out the window. Yep. And that's kind of all we can say on that subject. But yeah. Pretty bad, much. Bad. Should we talk about uh, the next messy thing, which is oh, the fat phobia? <laughs> oh. Where Connor is one of the like main side characters, and his whole yeah. thing is that he's so obsessed with food. And instead of using his heart, oh, he uses yeah. his appetite. And his fatness is just a punchline, and it's his whole personality. And It is. And it's such it's a shame. so yucky. Because he is a really good character. He's such he's a nice, so nice. guy. Him and his relationship with Sunny was so cute. Yeah, and, like, but it was also really... based on because she made cookies for him. And it's just like he can't right. get away from the no. phobia for and, a like, second. Every like joke will just be made about like his hunger and how much he eats. And it's just oh. like, why? Like his character is so tied up with that. And it's such a shame uh-huh. because you really lose what could be a really good character. Yep. The, this author doesn't know how to make very good jokes yeah except for except for the the cooking steak jokes those are my favorite <laughs> they're so good when when when, when he's just like like sending him into the pizza oven and he just salutes <laughs> I so like those are the only funny jokes like every yeah. other joke is just like so tied up with hypersexualization and nudity of a minor or like uh-huh. fat phobia uh-huh. like the only funny jokes is the steak jokes i love steak <laughs> that's okay well i already re- I, I got my favorite character is steak who's your favorite character should i guess guess i feel like i have a two is it zazzy yeah he was my favorite when yeah. i was in middle school zazzy was my favorite human because mm-hmm. he likes cats and has a little fang which is adorable <laughs> he calls his favorite people kitty yeah so weird yeah okay who do you think of my second favorite is it Steak's wife, Stu? <laughs> I love Steak so much. No, but that was a great one. <laughs> I love them so much. I don't know. Is it Gosh? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. His arc is the best one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so um, besides Connor, there are some other, like, 
fat characters that appear who in some cases are villainized which is not great either and then there's lag's aunt who like she's fat but also it's mostly about how her boobs are like cushiony and like hugs her it's so uncomfortable yeah. Which is such a shame because she could be a really good character as well. I love her character. Right? Except for, yeah. So, like, she's like a midwife who lives in, like, the bottom area near, the, like, the darkest areas. And she, like, will travel on her own to go deliver a uh-huh. baby in, like, the middle of nowhere. Like, she's such a cool character. And she took in leg, which this is another thing that I felt like the hint should have been dropped earlier on because you just know that she's his aunt. But it turns out that, like, she was just kind of like friends with his mom briefly and then she takes in leg and mm-hmm. like is like thank you for giving me like this new lease on life and i can't believe your mom did this and she's just like so loving she's such in, a like, loving in like oh, she's this such a great beautiful character. way honestly i yeah. think she's actually the only female character that whose life kind of like she's not fridged and yes. actually has a character beyond her relationship with men yeah, at least, hey, you know what? If At least the fat phobia means she's not sexualized. Am I right? Oh my God. Is that all we can hope for in this world? Oh. Oh there was God. like this one side story where I was like, oh, this is really bad. But it's one of the ones in the letters. It's during the dead letter arc where like Leigh goes to receive like a whole bunch of letters to this guy and he's like refusing because they're love letters from this woman that he had to like let go mm-hmm. so she could like marry into this rich family. So then Leigh goes to the rich family and it turns out that the guy she married is like cheating on her with a whole bunch of women and then he like enters the building and he sees this woman who claims to be the wife person. Yeah. But, but it's actually it's like not her because she's fat and that she's means like she's ugly. Fat and ugly, and it's actually like the mother-in-law who's evil, who's pretending yeah. to be. And you find out like the family was abusing this girl and like supposedly mm-hmm. killed her. But then it's revealed that the maid saved her and ferreted yeah. her away from the evil household. But again, it ties into the whole like ugly and fat equals evil. Yeah. And like, Which I might, oh, I just want to quickly mm-hmm. mention, all the, like, kind of background or side characters, mm-hmm. they look really cute. Like, they're not, like, animated. They remind me of Professor Layton characters. Yeah, Did you yeah. get that from them? Yeah, I get Like, the yeah, way they're that. shaped and everything, which I think is adorable. But then mm-hmm. there's, like, the ugly ones, and those are the bad guys. And yeah. the Layton-esque ones are, like, the side characters, and everybody who looks like an anime character is, like, more main. <laughs> and that's how you can tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. But that was kind of, like, my comment. Yeah, there's a lot of pitholes with this series, which is unfortunate because, like I said, there's a lot of potential uh-huh. with so it. So much and potential. There is. Like, I was reading it and I was like, God, this could have been so much more than what it was. And yeah. it's really, there's some really, like, breathtaking panels. Oh like, my especially God, yeah. with the last, like, ending bit when the sun is flickering. Mm-hmm. And you have, like, those scenes where you, it'll be, like, the light, and then the next will be, like, the same scene, but it's, like, the sun has gone out. Yeah. I really love, I think it was actually from the first flicker. There's a panel mm-hmm. where it's just, like, um, it's all black, but then the, I think it's gauche. It's just completely, like, drawn in white, and then there's mm-hmm. just, like, the, the white around him of, like, the memory. That was really pretty. Oh, my God. Like, it's so, the art is really good at times. It has, like, this, like, whimsical fairy tale feel to it. should we talk about the names of everything i love it so much (laughs) it feels very much like 
like you know when people are like when i was edgy and in middle school and i went on google translate and i looked up like what's the japanese word for lightning that's what i'm gonna name my pikachu in pokemon <laughs> it feels like somebody did that in reverse where it's like english words that just sound weird and make no sense when you're an english speaker <laughs> see for me i feel like those names was very much to give it like a fairy tale sense to it because it yeah there were times where it kind of felt like you know like um Candyland named Breath Mint Gelato, Al. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, think of like Candyland. You know, when you play Candyland and there's like different places like licorice and like all Lord the licorice, guys who are named after alcohol. Lollipop. That's like Candyland for adults. <laughs> there's one um, with Zazie's like the, the one, the um, second second biggest final boss is named Cabernet. <laughs> no, um, Zazie's Ark. There's like a reference to um, Wuthering Heights. Yeah, I was going to ask you about yeah. that because I don't know Wuthering Heights, but I assume you do. Yeah, I do. So, Wuthering Heights is a book that I read. I don't this like it. This is also another another character with a disability, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue telling me about this trash book that you hate. God, Wuthering Heights is, like, one of my mm. least favorite um, classics. Oh, spicy. I know, right? So, Wuthering Heights is about this household... Basically, they have a daughter whose name is Cass, I think. And then the dad adopts this, like, random kid that he finds, and he names him Heath. So Heath is, like, this... I don't know why that's so funny to me. Um, I have to look up if I'm getting the names right. I'm pretty sure that's the name. It's kind of confusing. So basically... You have an encyclopedic knowledge of every book you've ever read, and I trust you implicitly. Thanks. I'm just checking the names. Oh, sorry. It's Heathcliff. That's pretty much name. Garfield's Uh, little friend. So basically the story is told from the point of view of a maid who used to work in the household and it's like her flashback of her time there. You have the Earnshaws. Because Emile is a maid. Mm -hmm. So you have the Earnshaws and then they have their daughter Catherine. And then the dad adopts this like random child named Heathcliff. And Catherine and Heathcliff become, like, close friends, and they're, like, really tied together to the point where they have, like, this almost obsessive relationship. And then I can't remember, but, like, something happens, and I think Heathcliff, like, leaves or it's forced out of the house. And Catherine ends up, there's, like, there's a scene, too, where Catherine goes on, like, a hunger strike, where she basically, like, refuses to eat unless Heathcliff is feeding her. So, again, they have, like, a really obsessive relationship with each other. Yeah. And Heathcliff, at some point, is, like, kicked out of the house. There's some changes of, like, who holds the family. Catherine marries this guy who's, like, a son of another family. And they have a daughter. And then Heathcliff, like, shows up at some point to, like, get win Catherine back. And then... It, like, doesn't work out. They have a toxic relationship. Catherine dies at some point. Heathcliff is, like, upset, becomes obsessed with Catherine's daughter. So he, like, marries no. the sister-in-law. No. And they have a son. And his, like, whole point is to get his son to marry Catherine's daughter. That's so weird. There's, like, a scene, too, at I least think. it didn't go Twilight. There's, like, a scene where, like, Heathcliff, like, digs up Catherine's grave and, like, screams and sobs at her, like, how dare you, like, betray me by dying. Okay. So, like, the whole story is basically about, like, the obsessive relationship between Catherine and Heathcliff. Okay. And Emile is the maid, I guess. (laughs) Emile 
from letter B is a reference to the author. Because oh, the, the author. author is Emily Bront. Oh, Emily Bronte. Yeah. With the little dots over the E. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, I guess the whole idea with, like, the naming is to give it, like, that fairy tale storybook feel to it. Like a children's like fairy there tale. there was a forest called the Broccoli Forest and all the trees were broccoli. <laughs> that made me really fun. happy. It's like little things like that. Just like. Right? Like the world itself wonder. is so much fun. So it was really interesting because I was like looking up the series. And Wikipedia describes the series as a gas lamp fantasy. Oh. Mm-hmm. I like that. I could see yeah. that. It's got that like Dickensian yeah. kind of feel to so it. So according to Wikipedia... A gaslight fantasy is a subgenre of both fantasy and historical fiction, and it is a particular realm of fantasy that employs a Victorian or an Edwardian setting, yeah. but is not to be confused with steampunk because it doesn't have like that super science edge to it. No, and it's not like a full fantasy, like in the terms of like Narnia or like Lord of the Rings type. Yeah. So, like another gaslight so fantasy and manga would probably be like Pandora Hearts. Yeah, or like the first one we did, the Earl and the Fairy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Earl, I think Earl and the Fairy might fall. Whatever. Um. I love that. I love that mm-hmm. aesthetic, and I'm gonna chase it down <laughs> later. Right? Yeah, like it's such great. a pretty aesthetic. Uh huh. Which is why the series is so appealing, and there's so much potential. Which is what we said so many times before, There's but it's so much true. potential. God, maybe f- I'll just go back to all the random stories that fourteen-year-old me wrote that were based on like the edgy first three chapters that I read. Like I think another thing which we kind of touched on was like this whole idea of the sun being this monstrous creature that could end the world. Because mm-hmm. I remember too, in like the early two thousands, there was kind of like the fear of like the sun dying and killing everybody. Was there? There are so many other things to be worried about. <laughs> I mean, early 2000s to, like, 2012, there was, like, a point of, like, a huge, like, apocalyptic I remember 2012. I had it remember? written in my planner. Yeah. Do you remember, like, the obsessive, like, apocalyptic phase? And, like, oh, I yeah. feel like one of the things was, like, the sun, like, dying and, like, taking everybody out. I mean, yeah. But, like, there are a million things that are going to kill us first. Right. But that was, like, time. one of the things that I think, like, this manga really focused on yeah yeah it's nice okay i liked it asterisk didn't like it <laughs> it's hard it's hard I'm this glad. is one of the most um i finished it split i felt yeah i'm glad i i'm glad i read it i would not probably reread it there are like some c's like some like of the art visuals that i will hold in my memory i, w- I don't think i would constantly revisit this series no yeah no. that's a good summary yeah. Okay. Do you want to hear what we're doing next? What are we doing next? Okay. So this is just a short, this is just a short little, a tiny little, <laughs> okay. Basically, it's like December and it's cozy and like mm-hmm. nothing's cozier than a mystery. And oh, so my okay. favorite mystery, as you know, is Detective Conan Case Closed, which is like four <laughs> million chapters. So what we're going to do, okay, okay, is we're going to read it the way God intended, which is to go to your local library, select three random volumes, <laughs> and then <laughs> read those. And then next time we'll get to do like a review, but we'll also get to do like a little book report and we won't tell each other which ones we read. <laughs> oh, this will be interesting. Okay. So just as a heads up, because I don't think you've ever read like the individual volumes of Case Closed. I have. 
Have you? Yeah. So they you know start how, like, on a cliffhanger and they end on a cliffhanger. <laughs> which sucks. <laughs> I'm excited about it. like, they start, It's like a way to keep you reading. But like yeah. they literally start with like the end of a mystery and then you have like a full mystery and then it starts with the beginning of a mystery. Yeah, I read them the way God intended, which was to go to the library and pick a random one off the shelf oh and then be God. like, well, I guess I'll never know why this guy died mysteriously in okay, a locked room. So we're going to pick some Whatever. random, what was it, three volumes? Three volumes, yes. So we're going to try with like consecutive volumes, right? You can do whatever you want. Okay. I- I just am excited for our book reports. I feel like if we're going to do three volumes, since the one begins, like, it'll, like in some cases, it'll begin with, like, a cliffhanger, like, the ending of a cliffhanger and beginning. Uh-huh. We should but do it. But then it's so we... fun to guess what the mystery Yeah, that's been. what I was going to say. <laughs> we should do that. We oh, my God, that's so fun. Okay, yeah, like, we'll do that If for you sure. read the ending, you need to theorize what happened to the beginning. And when you read for the mystery, that, where you read the beginning theorize the ending of what who it is all this is gonna be fun okay Okay. i really hope i get one with kaido kid he was my favorite yeah oh man good memories of case closed okay yeah it's gonna be great all right so thank you as always for listening to behold manga our theme music is strawberry flavor love by daystar and as always stop Stop. you're reading reading in in the the wrong wrong direction. direction